of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about the refreshing beverage called vinegar. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. My name is Jason and oh my god, I thought about that <laughs> when, <laughs> when, it was, when it was in the book. I was like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's the people that do and do not eat the pickled, drink the pickle juice after the pickled czars. Oh, is I love, I love picklebacks. <laughs> Get shot of pickle juice, shot of whiskey. So good. Just like we love pickled things in general. That actually makes me want to vomit. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, how about, so how about this? This might actually make you vomit too, but it was actually really good. So when I was in Japan a few years ago, they had this whole cafe. It was about mixing different flavors of uh, vinegar into ice cold mm. milk. Um, and it was actually really good. It was like super, super oh, good. I could see that with like the sweetness of the milk. And then mm. you got like the, oh gosh, like my mouth is salivating because I love vinegar so much. Like you got the like uh, kind of tanginess <laughs> bite of the vinegar. Yeah, it was good. It, I did blueberry vinegar with uh, just some whole iced whole milk. It was so good. Oh my gosh. Like balsamic blackberry vinegar is my jam. Uh if you're like jam yeah mm-hmm. oh it's uh it's just so good yeah different different types of vinegars super yummy best salad ever if you're really pressed for time is just cucumbers and cherry tomatoes fresh garlic white wine vinegar olive oil <laughs> done grease who <laughs> olive oil that's the grease <laughs> oh i meant i meant like uh the country <laughs> i should oh. i should be like greek who greco who i i got you jason <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we are coming <laughs> back with uh, book eight. We're finishing up book uh, eight tonight. Well, today, sorry. We don't know when you listen to this. So You broke yeah. the illusion. Yeah. You don't know, <laughs> when, we don't know when we record. You don't know when we record. So whenever you listen to this, whether that's driving your car uh, and commuting or, you know, walking the dog uh, or, you know, while you're washing some dishes or yeah you should be cleaning your house i love i love listening to podcasts (laughs) while i clean the house it's so so relaxing uh and distracts you from doing heinous chores so yeah we're 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 circling back into part two of book eight and today we got some fun facts about rattlesnakes that we'll sprinkle in uh uh, for you because uh, Axe acquired a new morph this book and it wasn't the human morph So, uh, you guys good? Let's get into this? Yeah. Cool. Let's, do it. Let's finish, finish this. this book. All right, so we're... Finish it. Like, Axe finishes his revenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Spoiler, I, it takes 50 more books. Yeah, Axe's uh, Inigo Montoya uh, quest. <laughs> uh, so, we're hitting up and starting with uh, chapter 12, uh, midway through the book. Axe reads this book that Cassie gave him. It's a new book full of quotes from um, different humans uh, throughout uh, their history. And he reads it into the night. And his plan is starting to form for using the radio telescope to communicate back with his home world. So he's starting to plot. But he did realize, like, after he talked with Cassie that night, that it really was lonely. And he tried to get to sleep, but Mm -hmm. couldn't. So if he was going to go ahead with this plan, he knew he'd help. The only one he concluded he could trust was Tobias. So Axe went to find him in the woods uh, in the middle of the night and startled the poor hawk in waking him up. Poor Tobias. Everybody keeps waking I know, up Tobias. Everybody, like Rachel, uh, Axe, like everybody goes up to Tobias in the middle of the night. We're like, we know where you roost. And we're like, Tobias. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> <laughs> no privacy. No privacy. And just for a guy that's paranoid about all these different types of birds that are going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I get that, yeah, you want to live a more, your more authentic hawk life, but why not keep living in someone's attic? Because that's going to lengthen your lifespan by a lot. Like, you can just have in and out privileges. Oh, that's actually, well, and like, even uh, Rachel's little, like, bird um, hook, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, she has, she put She put a perch, perch, yeah, uh, outside her window. Like, I mean, I think Tobias should just, like, you know, perch either at uh, Jake's or, or Rachel's house and, you know, obviously... The only thing you'd have to worry about is a fat cat roaming around, but uh, <laughs> would be a little bit more. Well, the na- oh, I guess they're not next door neighbors, but Melissa and her kind of live close, so would yeah. it be funny if <laughs> fucking Fluffer McKitty came by and just fucking slides Yeah, the, the cat returns. Uh, so 
uh, asks, uh, asks if Tobias was his friend. And Tobias said, yeah, of course. Uh, then he asks if Tobias could keep a secret. In Tobias was more hesitant on this one. He asked if doing so would hurt his friends, and Axe said no. Then Tobias agreed to keep his secret, and Axe divulged his plan. Cut to the next chapter. Axe did his morning Andalite ritual, and Tobias flew to meet him. He morphed into a northern harrier to fly alongside Tobias, and they flew out towards the radio telescope, the observatory. Uh, they rode the thermals along the coast, and uh, Tobias was just, like, all, you know, gushing to Axe about, like, riding uh, these uh, thermals uh, today. Like, you know, it's a great day for flying. And uh, Axe agreed. Take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Talked about thermals. Yeah. uh, Actually, if you're listening to this and participating in the drinking game. (laughs) It's been a lot this this episode. Like, Axe went on a feeding frenzy Rachel, uh, cassie was good at morphing rachel wanted to fight somebody like lots are you of still gonna stuff. make that uh drink along <laughs> bingo card there morgan <laughs> oh yes yeah but too bad i'm not editing this episode because then i would remember but when you're editing this episode in the I'll, future Kate, I'll remind you. Me, don't forget to make the bingo yes. card <laughs> so axe agreed with tobias it was exhilarating there are thousands of feet above the ground down below humans lay on the beach wearing less clothing than usual Clothing is a strange human habit. They must wear it all the time, Axe reflects, <laughs> except at the beach when they must wear less. <laughs> and he's like, I don't understand this. The world almanac that he that he read uh, had no explanation. Although Axe did point out that he did know that the United States imported $36.7 billion worth of clothing every single year. <laughs> so they're not <laughs> lacking clothing, but they don't want uh, like a, opportunity to have it but they don't want to wear it when they're at the beach also this is a side note we need to add goals to tobias's bird shit list um there are a lot of birds he does yes. not like and he also states during this time as they're flying that like we need to watch out for gulls they get obnoxious and they can swarm a hawk if they want to and also he notices a peregrine falcon flying around he's like we got to watch out for that guy too <laughs> <laughs> yeah for a second i was like mm, did did tobias tell jake but then he Tobias swore on Elfangor that he wouldn't tell. So I thought sure the that call Tobias out to the Barragine Falcon was Jake following them. Because if Jake was smart, but uh, we've talked about how maybe he's not the brightest bulb, uh, he would have done that. <laughs> but no, it turns out that the authors only know seven types of birds. <laughs> no, yeah, and then just this Peregrine Falcon call out is just uh, another actual Peregrine Falcon. Tobias yeah. thing, yeah. So... Uh, Axe uh, thought it must be terrible sometimes for Tobias. He lives in fear of things that no human would need to fear. He has lost his position at top of the food chain of Earth. Hawks are predators, but they are also prey. Yet he seemed to have and accepted his fate. So was it possible that he even preferred being a hawk? What Was that why he never asked me, Axe, what I might know about him being a Nothleth? And as we talked about before, a Nothleth was uh, described uh, as a person uh, or being stuck in morph. Yeah, and earlier in the book, or it's possible it was this book, or it could have been Megamorphs 1, Axe is like, Tobias has never asked me if Andalites can help someone who's stuck in morph and he's not sure if it's because he doesn't want to know the answer yeah, he, i want to know he this mentions that a couple times yeah because it's just like is axe holding information back on how to help tobias get out of morph because he is that is a dick move like no 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 no, no. he, he implies axe implies that the answer is no i we can't help you and so he doesn't offer that up um, because he knows there's a reason why Tobias isn't asking him. So he's like, well, Tobias must not be asking because if the answer is no, he doesn't want to know. So I'm not going okay. to tell him. Yes. Does that make sense? I was just worried that Axe is trying to hold back all this other information. If he's holding back this whole time that Tobias could like easily one, two, three, snap back, that would be really sucky. <laughs> You just, you just gotta click your talons together three times. <laughs> so there's no place like home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they narrow in on the telescope built on the coastline. Axe remarks how primitive it was that humans are still using dish arrays, but they will still work for what he was planning. Tobias is still not quite sure what Axe plans to do exactly. The telescope is not 
in full operation yet, so there wasn't a lot of people around uh, working there. But Tobias pointed out that they need to safely land somewhere so Axe could morph into something more useful if he was to go inside to uh, infiltrate the observatory. And to clarify real quick, Tobias doesn't know what Axe wants to do with the observatory. He's just helping him get there and, and being lookout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Tobias is like, so you can morph into something useful and do whatever. And Tobias like, Axe is like, Tobias, is that sarcasm? The way you ask me what I'm doing? And he's like, no, it's not sarcasm. I think it's called being denied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sort of like, duh. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of annoyed that you won't tell me, but I'm also, you know, not cadgering you about it. I'm just being passive aggressive. <laughs> exactly. So they fly through the slit in the dome where the radio telescope uh, pokes through and uh, can rotate, and they land uh, in the control room. Tobias concludes that everyone was probably in the offices having a meeting uh, as the room was empty. So Tobias flies outside and and keeps a lookout as Axe morphs into his andalite form to conserve on energy. Axe briefly debates, like, I should morph into human, but it's so tiring, and if I have to morph back into bird again, I, yeah, need to just uh, stay in my form if I can get away with it. And also, I want my parents to be able to see my face. Oh, yeah, true. Axe easily disables the security system on the computer, and as he puts it, it's an, uh, he it has a very antique keyboard. The software Axe has <laughs> inadvertently helped Marco's father update was already in place, as he suspected. So he swiftly created a virus that would override the software controlling the radio telescope. Once uh, I had opened a small hole in Z-Space, it was child's play to use the same receivers to modulate and reflect the background radiation into a coherent signal. The hard part would be using ThoughtSpeak to control the signal. That would take absolute concentration. So Tobias was flying outside keeping lookout, but his thought speech was coming in broken. They were almost at a distance of not being able to communicate. So it took about 10 Earth minutes to adjust the radio telescope, 10 minutes an axe had moved human science ahead by a century or so, and 10 minutes to completely violate Andalite law. He uses thought speech to control the signal, zeroing in on the Andalite homeworld. The computer screen went black, and then an Andalite face appeared. Who is this? The Andalite demanded. This is a high security link. You are not authorized. State your name and location. My name is Aximili Esagareth Ishal, mm-hmm. brother of... Oh, I forgot to this down. Okay. Okay, I can There's do this. Four uh, Andalite names. Uh, all right. So my name is Aximili Esagareth uh, Ishtil, brother of Elfanger Sirenial Shamtul, son of Norlin Sirenial Koref and Forle Esagareth Mahin. The Andalite stared at me. <laughs> Elfanger's brother, he wondered. What is your location? My location, Axe said, is planet Earth. So Earth? Oh. Dun, dun, dun. So he did it. He got in contact, yeah. and he's very excited about it. What could go also, wrong? those names. So Axe has the same middle name as his mom, <laughs> and Elfanger has the same middle name as his dad, but all the rest of their names, uh, their first name and their last name, however the, the prefixes, uh, prefixes and suffixes work, are unique. I don't know if we know the genders of the parents. Does, yeah, because his dad comes in and he is... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. It doesn't, it says it right there. It doesn't say which one's which, but yeah, okay. I was like, oh, you just placed a gender on these weird aliens. No, because I think his dad comes in and I think his dad says his name is Norlin, yeah, right? he does. Yeah, it did say father, so. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. And You're totally right. so does, in Andalite linguistics and customs, does this ever get explained uh, just out of curiosity? Um, hang on. Let me do a Google. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to save that quote for later. Oh my gosh. So I looked up a female Andalite just to see and her blurb at the top of the Seropedia says, I'm not like most females. <laughs> Way ahead of I'm time. I'm not like other girls. Okay, yeah. This is the most name linguistics that we oh, get okay. then. Yeah. As far as like family, that's pretty much it. So maybe it's the first child and the second child um, take the different middle names. I don't know how necessarily the last name would be selected, but yeah. Anyway, it is. weird. Weird alien names. That's probably what they're just trying to go for is weird, huh? So Axe finds out he's talking to an assistant of the head of planetary communications. 
He lets him know that Elfinger is dead, and the dome ship is destroyed, and Axe is the only survivor. He gives the status of the Yerks invading the human race on Earth, but he and a resistance of humans are fighting the Yerks, and destroyed the Kondrona on the planet. And that got the assistance attention. You destroyed a Yerk Kondrona? How'd you manage that? You and a handful of human youths. It was time to tell him the full truth, or decide to lie, Axe concluded. The humans have the power to morph, I said. Visitor 3 believes they are a band of escaped Andalites. Humans who morph? And how did the humans come by this technology? It was given to them by Elfanger. At that point, the assistant was pulled aside and another Andalite appeared on screen. An old Andalite <laughs> and powerful. Lyrum Arapoth Teros, head of the council. Axe was in awe. Lyrum asked poignantly if Elfanger broke Andalite laws by giving their technology to the humans. Axe admitted yes. He then pressed how Axe got in contact with them in the first place, and he admits that he adapted the telescope to communicate uh, back to the home world. Lyrum accuses Axe of breaking their laws as well and adapting human technology beyond their scope and advancing it. So Axe defends himself, and he's almost yelling, Humans are not our enemies. They won't have a chance. Those few humans are all that resist the Yerks on this planet. Elfanger knew that. He did what he thought was right. To my surprise, Lyrum did not tell me to be silent, but his eyes grew darker, his expression more serious than ever. Then he said, Aerith ex Millie, once before an Andalite did what he thought was right thing. He transferred technology to a weak, backward species. He did it because he thought they should be able to travel to the stars. Do you know the name of that Andalite? Prince Cero, I said. Prince Zero. Yes, he was my first prince. Did you know that? Many centuries ago, when I was an heiress like you, Lyrum looked hard at me. Do you know what happened because of Zero's kindness? Yes, I said grimly. Yes, I know. I've seen what happened because of Zero's kindness. I'm sorry. I was noting that um, the... He said many centuries ago, so how long do... Andalites live. How long do Andalites live? Yeah, I wonder live? that too. Seems Apparently. like they're elves. Well, how long do they live in captivity, and how long do they live in the wild? <laughs> Um, seems like they're like the, the elves of this situation. Makes sense. Are they, does that make the Yerks dwarves or orcs? Orcs. Oh, I guess orcs. Cause they're, I, as I discussed last book, their names come from the elvish or from the orc, the elvish word for orc. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but another thing about this too, with like, you know, they're the only humans fighting is like, y'all need to get a camera and y'all needed to get a bus ticket out of town. <laughs> like. To where you know they're not infested with Yerks, and then start doing some, like, media bullshit, like, sneak into, like, some media... I don't know. know. They honestly could blow this whole thing open, but I guess they're not going to. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like that, but they definitely set up at the beginning, like, first book, okay, the cops are Yerks. Yeah, but, like, get out of town, yo, take a $10 bus ticket to, like, another state. Idaho. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just like they, they can morph into a lot of animals. Go places for free. Just be gone for a little bit. Um. So we get a lot of hints right here, also because of Ciro's yeah. kindness, and it does. It does say. Once before, an Andalite gave technology to a backward species. Hey, guys, what species do you think it is? Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're really narrowing in on the 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 the, the whoopsie <laughs> that the Andalites did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are um pr- well we'll discuss at the end that uh your prediction was pretty close. Cool. Pretty close. Well take it. So <laughs> for a moment everyone was silent. Then Lyrum pressed axe. Elfanger was a hero. A hero wouldn't dare break their laws, unlike an heiress like Axe. So was Axe sure that it was really his brother who broke their laws? Axe couldn't believe Lyrum wanted him to lie, to clear Elfinger's name at the expense of his own. And he couldn't believe it, but he bitterly acquiesced and said yes. Lyrum seemed satisfied and cleared Axe of his confessed crimes in the name of the council. He also said he knows how Axe must feel as a young heiress. He recalled how he once was an advisor to the Hork Bajir, and even though they were the Andalite's allies, he still must uphold Andalite laws and did not transfer any Andalite technology or information to them. So Axe flares up, counterpointing that because of that, the Hork-Bajir ended up losing everything and now they're enslaved uh, species to the Yerks. Lyrum grew cold, telling Axe that he must resist Yerks but not give the humans any info or tech. 
The Andalite fleet is engaged in many parts of the galaxy against the Yerks, but will be, and at that point, it will be some time before they can send reinforcements back to Earth. Tobias, through the broken thought speech, breaks in trying to tell Axe someone is on the move and might be heading towards him. And then, on the screen, Axe's father appears. Axe had to tell his father that Elfinger had died. His father was in visual pain, but asked a series of questions that were a part of an Andalite's ritual of death. They were questions he had to ask. Did he die well? He asked. He died in the service of his people defending freedom, Axe said. This was also part of the ritual. And his father nodded. As his death and has his death been avenged? This was part uh, that Axe feared. No, father. His father looked up. You are now the eldest son. The burden of revenge is on you. You know his killer? Yes, Axe said. And does his killer still live? Yes. And do you, Axe take up the burden of avenging your brother's death? Yes. The ritual was complete. We had both said all the things that we were supposed to say. And so that's a lot of shit to put on your kid. Right? Just all, like... Uh, there's some point he, uh, when he's talking to Liram, Liram, Liram. I Liram. took my eyes off of the name <laughs> and so I can't, I can't remember what it was. And he's like, why did I do this? Why did I communicate it with my home? And it's just the most relatable shit. Like being like, oh man, if I had never done this, if I had never called, I would never have realized how shitty they were. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, like all of this, like, first of all, you're being asked to fucking be a scapegoat for your brother again. So basically, you've looked up to him your whole life and lived in his shadow. And now you're being asked to throw your own reputation under the bus to keep his giant, like, what is that phrase? Legacy? His star in... Legacy. Yeah. Yeah, to keep his legacy alive. And then he has to fucking murder the the main enemy of your entire species who they call the abomination like just like fuck like, off <laughs> like man sorry axe dude i'm not gonna take the fall i didn't do that that's a that's a, some lion bullshit right there right that's <laughs> like, it too i'm like i'm not gonna die for a fucking war culture if he's so great he'll his legacy will be fine me on the other hand i'm gonna have to kill this bitch and still be a piece of shit <laughs> like yeah yeah and just like the thought process he goes through later where he's like well now that i've taken this fucking you know scapegoating i've become a scapegoat people are gonna talk about me and say i was an idiot but if i manage to kill visitor three they'll at least say i died well like that's some pressure to put on the equivalent of a 13 year old kid at least my son died on the battlefield honor yeah valhalla (laughs) yeah Totally, and Nico Montoya. Oh, okay. Well, Axe and his father, after they uh, finished their uh, ritual, began to speak, uh, but then the screen goes blank. A voice behind Axe sneered, Sorry, but you were breaking my heart. I had to cut you off. It was a human, and he was holding a weapon, and it was pointed at Axe. It was a dragon beam, and Axe quickly concluded it was a human controller. Can I just say something really quick? Yeah. Yeah, the breaking my heart thing. I was like, don't go breaking my, don't go breaking my, don't go breaking my heart. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Totally. No, no. Musical interlude. Totally welcome. (laughs) Axe stared him down, the controller stating that they both have a lot to talk about. He was too far away in the room for Axe to slash him with his tail. But just then, Tobias dived down from the opening in the ceiling of the dome and slashed the controller's arm with his talons, raking uh, his fabric uh, on the sleeve. But the controller held on to the dragon beam, and he told him to freeze, but he didn't want to, uh, and that he didn't want to kill either of them. But he will if he has to. He just wants to talk. Axe pointed out he, uh, if he wants to talk, uh, it's hard to do so while he's still holding a dragon beam like right at him. Like, I just want to talk. Holds gun to head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so surprisingly, the controller actually placed the um, weapon on the floor and kicked it away. Now totally vulnerable. Axe and Tobias exchanged a surprised look and listened uh, to what the controller had to say. He explains that because of the Andalite bandits destroying the Kondrona, there had been widespread starvation for the Yerks. And one Yerk in particular, Diran344, who was very special to this Yerk, and this Yerk who's talking is Esselin359. Duran was 
starved and killed. Uh, Morgan, apparently they do have genders even beyond, because it doesn't necessarily say that she was just she because of the host she inhabited. I, I think he... He gendered yeah. her even before they were even um, infiltrating hosts. Yeah, I think that was just to avoid, like, gayness. I'm pretty <laughs> Any sure. Any sort of genderqueer, non-binary just... gayness. <laughs> just... Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and we'll see a little bit later that um, Yerks kind of do tend to take on a little bit of the gender of their hosts or the identity of their hosts. Like, you know, once a Yerk, if they have a choice is infesting like a woman for example they'll keep choosing female hosts so it's more like it's yeah it's it's a that a yurk will will take on the gender of their host so they do refer to visitor one as she and second they just didn't want to be like accused of having gay characters in 1997 yeah sadly okay so aslan this Yerk uh, explains that the most important uh, Yerks that Visitor 3 favored uh, were shuttled up to the mothership every three days, and they were given a minimal dose of Kendrona rays to keep them alive. But the rest of the Yerks, they were left for dead, and they were expendable, especially to Visitor 3. Doreen's death angered this Yerk, uh, so he sabotaged one of the shuttles uh, to the mothership. And threw off, uh, and that threw off the feeding schedule. So some of Visitor's favored Yerks are dying now too. And once Eslin saw the code Axe had inadvertently given to Marco's dad, he knew Andalites would come back to the telescope to use it and try to communicate through Z-Space. It was only a matter of time. So Axe asks why he is telling him this. Eslin shouts that Visor 3 killed Durain, the only one in the galaxy ever had feelings for, so Eslin wants Visor 3 dead. He places a piece of paper on a desk in front of Axe. The paper has a time and place a location and time where Visitor 3 regularly feeds like an Andalite on Earth. He wants Axe to use the information to go and kill him. That evening, Axe and the Animorphs met in Cassie's barn. He was worried that Tobias told... Uh, that was a dog shaking. He, Axe was worried that Tobias told them all of their trip to the observatory. But Tobias only knew of what Eslin had told them. He did not know what Axe had communicated, that, that Axe had communicated with his home world. He was in Human Morph and reflecting uh, on all that happened. If he goes after Visitor 3, he wouldn't survive, but he had to nonetheless. Even though if Lyrum had him admit to his and brother's crimes and had forgiven him, he now would never be a warrior on his home planet. Lyrum had once advised the hork but they lost to the Yurks and were enslaved. What if he had given them Andalite technology to help them in their battles? And Axe wondered if they'd be a free species today. As he entered the barn, the four human kids eyed him coolly, and Tobias was in the rafters with a bloody cloth from the ripped sleeve of Eslin, uh, mm. the controller still in his talent. <laughs> Hi, Axe, Prince Jake said. How's it going? Fine, uh, Axe answered. I figured we should all get together, Prince Jake said warily. He seemed to be averting his eyes from Axe. We need to think about what this thing with the controllers. We saw the guy at the mall, and then there was Mr. Pardew. And in the paper this uh, this morning, there was a story about some guy, some business guy, who's in a meeting and freaks out. The paper made it seem like he just went nuts. I'm pretty sure it was another controller losing it. He looked at Axe, and Axe said nothing. See... It's like this, Axe, Marco said suddenly. We're tired of you giving us the runaround. Tobias shows up and he's dragging around some bloody shirt. I ask him what it is and he won't tell me. Why won't Tobias tell me? Simple. He must have promised someone he wouldn't. And who would that someone be? There's no point in denying it. Axe admits I made Tobias promise. It's my fault. Rachel explodes. They are not pawns in this battle between Andalites and Yurks, and they better start telling them what he knows to stop uh, keeping secrets. Axe yells back that he can't. It's against their laws. Marco and Rachel lean into him further, speaking of the injustice and hypocrisy of it all. Elfanger, his brother, gave them, their, these humans, the technology already. Why can't Axe just tell them what he knows? I can't tell you, Axe said softly. There's a law against giving aliens, I mean, any non-Andalite 
our technology. And a part of that law is we can't explain why. I can't, uh, I can almost understand the part about not giving us advanced technology, Prince Jake said, but why all the other secrets? Why can't you just tell us other things, like how you knew what the Yerks would do? Okay, so you don't want to give us the mega weapons or whatever. Fair enough. But to refuse even to tell us how we fit into this world uh, and this whole Yerk and a light war? I mean, what's that about? It's about keeping control of us, Marco said. It's about power, Rachel agreed. Cassie was looking at me strangely. No, he said, it's not it. It's about, not about control. It's about guilt, shame. That's it, isn't it? That's what you said the other night. You said every species carries some guilt. Guilt, shame, Marco asked, looking at Cassie like she was foolish. But Cassie had found the truth. Axe didn't disclose what Andalite's uh, great shame uh, is, but we can obviously take an educated guess that it really has something to do with the Yerks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cassie, the emotionally intelligent one, like, Sus- no. Sussed it out. No, duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like he already pretty much said it, or he all but said it earlier um, about the law of Zero's kindness and all that, so we can pretty much figure yeah. it out. I cannot wait for hork Chronicle. <laughs> I feel like yeah, that's going to be really sad. Talk about, okay, pun, pun intended, hork have an axe to grind with the Andalites, man. Like, <laughs> yeah yes yeah. they do so <laughs> uh we will be reading harbinger chronicles after okay 15. good to know so, there you go uh jake has had enough of axes evasiveness if he is with them he must be honest if not then he's on his own axe then concludes and says okay he's grateful to them and understands how they feel and he walks away oh that is the ultimate bitch move <laughs> just like thank you for your thoughts Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I will take these into consideration. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Which everybody loves. I'm sorry if I said anything. Uh, so, um, I really like this next chapter's um, Axe Earth Diary. Um, <laughs> you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. A famous human named Rolling Stone said that. I thought it was very wise for a human. Damn, Andalite superiority bullshit. Boomer joke. <laughs> hey, the Rolling Stones are still kicking and moving. My dad went to a concert yeah. to them a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when there were the two, that two-year span where everybody was mentioning Mick Jagger in their songs because Kesha mentioned Mick Jagger in TikTok. So then uh, Maroon 5 was like, wait, don't forget about me. I'm also cool like Mick Jagger. Anyway, cool like that was Jagger. a weird time. Cool like Jagger. That's such a bad song. <laughs> Maroon 5 only had two good albums at me. (laughs) Okay, on that bombshell, (laughs) Axe started his morning with a different ritual, a ritual of self-sacrifice. Today was the day he would kill Visor 3, and he did not expect to survive. Tobias surprised him nearby, uh, noticing that he did the different ritual. And Axe was annoyed that Tobias was there, uh, but... uh, Tobias extended the olive branch, saying if Axe would tell him where this encounter was going to go down, he and the others would, of course, help. I can't, Axe said. I can't ask for help. Jake is my prince now, or was, and he might forbid me. Wait a minute, Tobias said. You mean Jake could just tell you no and you wouldn't do it? But if he ordered you to answer all our questions, then what? Everyone must have someone over him, Axe explains. That is the Andalite custom. Each warrior has a prince, each prince has a war prince, each war prince has a great leader. And this is where I want there to be uh, female Andalites just being war princes and leaders, Morgan. (laughs) Yes. And each great leader must be elected by the people as a whole. And everyone, no matter how great or small, obeys the law. He could not order me to break our laws. And Jake is your prince, uh, Tobias concludes. I guess he's mine too in a way. You know, he doesn't think of himself that way. No, he doesn't, Axe said. I, I realize this. Axe makes Tobias promise he won't disclose his plan to go assassinate Visor 3 and not and to not follow him. Then he runs off through the forest toward the area where Visor 3 would be set to go feed as an Andalite. He reached the meadow and the location an hour early before they were planned to arrive and 
according to the Yurk Eslin. There was a stream running through the meadow, and Axe went up to the stream, and he came up with a plan. He knew uh, as a young Andalite, he couldn't take on a full-grown Andalite uh, like Vizzer 3. So he morphed into a rattlesnake, uh, something that could strike uh, faster than an Andalite's tail. And uh, he hid by the stream where it looked like Visser 3 had uh, came before and stepped into the water because he saw the uh, hoof prints uh, still there. And so he curled up uh, and waited, ready to strike. As a rattlesnake, which uh, transitions right into our rattlesnake Let's talk about some rattlesnake facts. Yeah, rattlesnakes are really cool. And I got a lot of facts all jotted down here because they're just awesome creatures. They are a group of venomous snakes of pit vipers. And so all rattlesnakes are vipers and they're 36 known species and have between 65 and 70 subspecies. And the cool thing is rattlesnakes are all native to the Americas, uh, ranging um, from southern Alberta, Saskatchewan to southern British Columbia and Canada, and then all the way down to central Argentina. Rattlesnakes receive their name from the rattle located at the end of their tails, which makes a loud rattling noise when vibrated that deters predators uh, or serves as a warning to passerbys. However, that being said, rattlesnakes do fall to prey. They're not they're not at top of the food chain necessarily. So they are preyed upon by hawks and weasels and king snakes and a variety of other species. And they're also um, heavily preyed as uh, neo, uh, neonates, uh, which um, when they're still weak and immature, so when they're babies. Some species of ants even like uh, prey upon a neonate and uh, like fire ants do this. And they they will they will eat a baby snake a baby rattlesnake. Oh, ants working together will fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah. There was actually a Reddit post today of a bunch of ants taking a rubber glove up a, up a light pole. Yeah, <laughs> like they <laughs> ants. We we've learned already. Ants. Will Wait, fuck they you took up. a glove, a rubber glove, up a uh, like a, a light pole. Uh, like a telephone they, pole. Uh, yeah, using it to like make sure they don't get shocked if they like went uh, along the wire. <laughs> very smart ants <laughs> i feel bad i'm like they're not gonna get shit from that which sucks I'm like is this also so much about littering <laughs> like should we just not yeah <laughs> please do not litter large numbers of rattlesnakes are killed by humans rattlesnake populations in many areas are severely threatened by habitat disruption poaching and extermination campaigns and they are the leading con- uh, contributor to snake bite injuries in north america uh, however, rattlesnakes rarely bite unless provoked or threatened, and if treated promptly, the bites are seldom fatal. The large majority of species uh, lives in American Southwest and in Mexico. Four species may be found uh, east of the Mississippi River and two in South America. In the United States, the uh, states with the most types of rattlesnakes are Texas and Arizona. I'm looking at a map right now. I did not know that rattlesnake was just a, like, there's there's five different kinds of rattlesnakes on this map that I'm looking at in the U.S. Did not know that that was the case. Yeah, 36 uh, known species of rattlesnakes and a lot of subspecies. Growing up in San Diego, always like super wary of them, especially when you're taking your dog out. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, definitely uh, you need to watch out for your dogs uh, trying to rustle up and and get in a snake's face because that's not good. I've surprisingly never run into one despite like growing up in California. Yeah, and they're around here all all the time. I'm living here. Uh, I've run into a lot of garter snakes. Uh, a lot of uh, snakes crossing paths as we're hiking, but none that are rattling or poisonous. Yeah. I, did, did you look up um, information about the rattle? Like, what is it? <laughs> uh, I, I can get there. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, just, sorry, it's sorry. buried in, Jeez, it's buried in my other facts, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> there is a process. I will okay, Well, it. let me tell you where they live first. <laughs> um, most species live uh, near open rocky areas. Rocks offer them cover from predators uh, and plentiful prey. Uh, like rodents, lizards, insects, and uh, they often uh, offer open basking areas. However, rattlesnakes can also be found in a variety of other habitats, including prairies, marshes, deserts, and forests. They prefer a temperature range between 80 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit, so 26 and 32 degrees Celsius, but they can survive in temperatures below freezing and recover from brief exposure to temperatures as low as uh, 4 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 16 degrees Celsius, and uh, can survive for several days uh, in temperatures as... 
He's like, no way. Jason made a joke about it. I know. uh, There's been a lot of dog barkings. uh, Anybody's listening before. I've normally been able to edit them out, but this one's kind of now ingrained. (laughs) That's okay. We're a pet friendly podcast. Yes, and he's protecting me from ghosts at the door. (laughs) Rattlesnakes can survive for several days uh, uh, in temperatures as low as 37 degrees uh, uh, Fahrenheit. So they kill their prey quickly with a venomous bite as opposed to constriction. <laughs> when it locates the falling prey, fallen prey, the snake checks for signs of life by prodding it with its snout and flicks its tongue and uses uh, using its sense of smell. Once the prey has uh, become incapacitated, the rattlesnake locates its head by odors emitted from uh, the prey's mouth, and then uh, it is ingested headfirst, which allows wings and limbs and stuff to be able to fold at their joints in a manner which minimizes uh, the, the, the girth of the meal, so that uh, the unhinged jaw of the snake can still, you know, slide it slide it down its gullet, mm, just like me. <laughs> The gastric uh, fluids of rattlesnakes are extremely powerful, which is kind of cool. I didn't realize this, but it makes sense if they're swallowing like creatures whole. Like, yeah, you need to have a good digestive system. And it allows for digestion yeah. of flesh as well as bone. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, in contrast with like owls that swallow things whole, but then they drop pellets, which are basically like the mm-hmm. bones, and hair, and, and feathers. Yeah, of, of the things that they can't digest. Yeah, as, uh, as the bird. There's a small pro- uh, proportion of rattlesnakes that actually make it to their second year of adulthood, only about 20%, because they're heavily preyed on by predators, including coyotes and eagles, hawks and owls, falcons, even feral pigs, which was surprising, badgers, indigo <laughs> snakes, and king snakes. The king snake is a constrictor and is actually immune to the venom of rattlesnakes and other vipers and uh, actually has rattlesnakes as part of its natural diet. Very interesting. Snake on snake crime. And I would imagine, too, that humans are a big yes, issue. Yeah, they totally are um, for definitely taking out a lot of rattlesnake populations. But rattlesnakes are born with fully functional fangs and venom, and they're capable of killing uh, prey at birth. Adults um, shed their fangs every six to ten weeks, and at least three pairs of replacement fangs lie beneath the functional pair, which I also thought was interesting. Similar to, you know, sharks and stuff like that rotating through teeth. And shedding those uh, um, as well. You mentioned the babies. Yeah, the poisonous. babies are dangerous because they're they're poisonous at birth, and they're also their rattle isn't fully formed for a while as when they're young. So like it's a snake, and it's a very poisonous snake, but you can't hear it because they have no rattle yet. So that's why baby baby rattlesnakes. Uh, you don't want to come across those. I really want to leave them be. Because <laughs> I always heard that the reason why is because they're young and they don't quote like they're more deadly actually because they they're young and they don't know how much venom to yeah, spend there's, there's or too. whatever. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes uh, older snakes, adult snakes, will bite but not even inject venom is described as well. Oh, so is it voluntary or they're just cool? uh, oh no 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 uh, voluntary. They can choose whether or not they contract the muscles to expend oh. as much venom as they want within a prey. Okay. Yeah, and they, they do mention that in, like, you know, as a rattlesnake, they decide, the anamorphs decide how much venom to dispense, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure how truthful that part was. The venom is uh, hemotoxic, uh, destroying tissues and ca- uh, causing uh, necrosis and cojulopathy, so disrupted blood clotting. In the U.S., the tiger rattlesnake and some varieties of the Mojave rattlesnake have a um, presynaptic uh, neurotoxic venom component, which can cause severe paralysis. The venom toxicity of the tiger rattlesnake is considered to be among the highest of all rattlesnake venoms and among the highest of all snakes in the Western Hemisphere. The venom itself is very stable and retains its toxicity for many years, even in storage. The rattle, here we go, there's, there's the facts to answer your question. The rattle mm-hmm. is composed of a series of hollow interlocking segments made of keratin, which are created by modifying the scales that cover the tips of the tail. The muscles that cause the rattle to shake are some of the fastest known, and they're firing 50 times per second on average, and can sus- be sustained up for three hours. 
The skin of snakes is highly sensitive to contact and uh, they're capable of feeling pain. Although many kinds of snakes and other reptiles uh, lay, lay eggs for rearing their young, rattlesnakes are actually um, uh, giving birth to live young after carrying the eggs inside them. Oh, like like sharks? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, some sharks, yeah, yeah. They, they carry the eggs inside <clears throat> them and it looks like they're giving birth to live young, but really the... The, the young hatched inside them and then uh, then is born. Shark eggs are really weird. Yeah, they're weird. They're, uh, I think some of them are called like uh, mermaid purses because they, they have like a weird uh, yeah. square shape to them. Mm-hmm. They look like ravioli. <laughs> Female snakes, uh, rattlesnakes often remain with their young in nests for several weeks and mothers have been observed uh, cooperatively parenting their broods. Aww. Let's see here. Oh, in colder winter months, some rattlesnake species enter a period of brumation, which is dormancy similar to hibernation. But this means they often gather together um, in large numbers, sometimes over a thousand snakes, and they huddle together in underground in rattlesnake dens. Um, and they regularly share their winter burrows with a variety of other species. Uh, rapid habitat disruption. Uh, rapid habitat disrupt destruction by humans, uh, mass killings uh, during events uh, such as rattlesnake roundups and deliberate extermination campaigns all pose threats to rattlesnake populations in many areas. And uh, they're uh, listed, some some species are listed as threatened or endangered in many U.S. states. And also uh, rattlesnakes die often by being run over by cars. So the thing I think we're the most worried about is actually being bitten by a rattlesnake. And so I have some facts for you to wrap that up. An estimated, yeah, that's yeah, I know. Idea. An estimated seven thousand to eight thousand people are bitten by venomous snakes in the U.S. each year, uh, with about five deaths. Out of all of those, uh, the most important factor in surviving uh, is following a severe um, uh, a bite is the time lapse between the bite and the treatment. Most deaths occur between six and forty-eight hours. Uh, after the bite, so if antivenom treatment's given within two hours of the bite, the probability of recovery is greater than 99%. And rattlesnakes rarely bite unless they feel threatened or provoked. A majority of victims, about 72%, are males, often young and intoxicated. <laughs> Show, no way. I mean, okay, I, I actually did not know that, but I'm not totally surprised. <laughs> Not surprising. Uh, around <laughs> half of bites occur in cases where the victim saw the snake yet made no effort to move away. <laughs> <laughs> so that's code four. They went to poke the snake with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Because they were drunk and they were like, ooh, cool yeah. noise. So harassing or attacking a rattlesnake is illegal in some jurisdictions and puts one at much higher risk of getting bit. <laughs> Rattlesnakes seek oh, no to avoid humans and other predators because they, you know, are dangerous and fatal to them. So dogs, though, often are more aggressive than humans towards snakes and are much more likely to experience a snake bite because of it and are more likely to die of a rattlesnake bite. So dogs can be vaccinated against rattlesnake bites. Cautions advised even when a rattle, when snakes are believed to be dead. Um, rattlesnake heads can sense and flick to- their tongue and inflict uh, venomous bites reflexively for up to an hour after being severed from the body. So, yeah. Um, and then there's obviously um, rattlesnake anti-venom that can um, be dispensed in the case of a bite. I think that's a lot of rattlesnake fats, but I found this extremely fascinating. So... <laughs> Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. I mean, not only do they are they poisonous, like they also have like a weird rattle, like very just like fascinating for that that to evolve on a creature. Yeah, to say hey, like don't mess with, stay back. Don't try. <laughs> Sorry. Are you gonna are you gonna say narrate? Don't step. Serenade us again. I was say. <laughs> To say, don't tread on me, or like, don't step on snake. No step on snake. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna like uh, paraphrase a sting and go like, don't tread on, don't tread on. I I don't know don't who <laughs> I don't know who Sting really is. <laughs> He's the lead singer of Police. Uh, who? <laughs> Morgan's like, you're so lucky. I can't reach through this. And... <laughs> um, I can't think of a song. I'll be watching you. That's a song they do. Nope. <laughs> oh. Sting is better than the I think drummer or guitarist who's named The Edge, which is just a or okay, hang on, let me Google this before I get yelled at by the <laughs> internet. Oh no, he is he is from YouTube, never mind. That's still Sting is still a better 
name than The Edge. On the Just... edge of glory. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't know shit. Okay, well, I think we definitely got one or two serenades in there. Jason, you want to finish us <laughs> up? I would <laughs> love to finish us off. Um, okay, so... Um, he has axe axe has transformed transformed morphed into a rattlesnake um he is uh laying down where he feels uh is best uh to, to you know make his strike against visitor three um so uh axe says i smelled him long before i saw him i smelled andalite flesh and so with this you know here so visitor three has landed and he's giving commands and as you know, I don't give a fuck, you know, um, thought speak, which he does all the time, um, to, you know, spread out, um, shoot anything that moves. Um, and so, you know, Axe is just really sensing all this. He's going over his plan again, because he's even despite like the cold assassination feeling of the snake, he's still feeling like scared shitless because it's Visor 3. So he's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna strike, we're gonna escape, we're gonna demorph, and we're gonna go, go back to kill him, chop his head off. And so what's going to happen is basically Visor 3 comes up, four sharp hooves beating across the meadow. He feels them. Uh, Axe flicks his tongue and smelled him on the wind. Um, so a shadow looms over Axe, uh, blotted out the sun, and he can feel the heat <laughs> coming off of Visor 3, which somehow feels weird to say. But he's a <laughs> snack, <laughs> so there's no time to think. Uh, um, Visor 3 can move at any moment, and so then Axe is like... And Axe is like, what the hell is that sound? And he's like, oh, that's me. It's coming from me. <laughs> um, that's my tail. It just instinctively, without conscious thought, started doing this. And then he's like, zap! And uh, Axe strikes. And he does this mouth open wide. Fangs come down. He makes contact with uh, Visor 3's Andalite body. So that's great. So that's one venomous dose done. Visor 3 reacts to this. He jerks away and Axe releases. But... Visor 3 is too slow, and Axe goes in for another round and strikes again, pumping venom into him. So that is um, great. So Visor 3 has been uh, not intoxicated, envenomated. <laughs> uh, Visor 3 tries to strike with his Andalite tail, um, but Axe is like already, already gone. And so he's like, demorph! So he's trying to demorph, and guards are coming. And so now it's just sort of a little bit of a scene of chaos. You know, he's racing at breakneck speed through the grass, trying to get away. And then, so he's uh, about... 20 yards away um when the snake body starts to really feel the changes uh growing sluggish getting a little stubby stubby hand, like things <laughs> legs and visitor three's like there's a snake kill it um i mean same for m many many situations <laughs> and you know there's fork Bashir, you know favorite bodyguards so uh there you know this is now hork Bashir versus partially demorphed snake <laughs> so half andalite half snake, half snake axe <laughs> which i i kind of didn't really get while he was demorph why he was demorphing but i guess if you're gonna have four different hork after you or however many hork there are that i guess you would want to demorph but it seems like it would be better to hide oh he really should have gone into the water rattlesnakes can swim i mean that wasn't in the almanac apparently <laughs> but um he should have gone to the water, swam away, could have been a lot quicker, a lot harder to find and kill. Um, that also becomes important later. Um, oh, maybe he knew. Okay, so Kate just said that it takes at least six hours for the venom to kill you. So they must. he must be demorphing because he knew that it wasn't going to kill yeah, him. Yeah, but he could have gotten away quicker and under a lot more cover if he went De into the and water. demorphed, yeah. Yeah, but um, he, I think for an hour or so, or almost an hour, he already was in morph. So maybe, I don't know, his two hours wouldn't have been up. So yeah, no, I think Jason's right. I think he could have gotten away faster as a snake. But I think I think maybe yeah. the plan was to bite him to slow Visor 3 down for then Axe to come in with his Andalite tail to go in for the kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okie dokie. Okay, so what's going to happen is uh, the hork closes in on Axe and it's about to swing. But, haha, -ha, um, actually, uh, a roar sounds and the hork goes flying out the other way. So, surprise, it's Rachel. Who morphs bear? Rachel morphs bear. <laughs> um, and she doesn't lose any limbs in this fight. Um, <laughs> so, the, the Animorphs have come to save Axe. 
um, Tobias had let them know where what Axe's plan was, but this Hawkfish and he he knew the address, the location about where it was gonna happen. But so they charge. Uh, Jake is a tiger, so he's also fucking a pork bajir, you know, coming down from the tree line and whatnot. Axe fully demorphs and then goes to towards uh, the the Andalite, the Visor Three's Andalite host. So that is great, and we start getting some good conversation uh, going on here. Um, so he's going to, you know, try and kill this body. But I think before that, I think I actually missed a part here is that, um, Tobias starts thought screaming, you know, like, no, 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 no. Um, he bailed, he bailed, the yerk bailed out. He got into the water. I can't see him. He got away. Everyone's like, what? It's like, yeah, Fizzer 3 yeeted out of the Andalite host body, slimed his way into the river, <laughs> got down the river and escaped. Like our better idea yes, of how to escape. exactly. <laughs> so Fizzer 3 is no longer in the Andalite body. So, well, chance at revenge, lost. But so that's a bummer. But uh, Axe goes to the Andalite body and he can tell immediately there's no Yurk in there. This is pure Andalite. Um, the Andalite immediately, the first thing he says to Axe is, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> um, kill yeah. me. Kill me before he takes me over again. Please, please kill me. Yeah. Um, and obviously Axe is like, I can't do that. I can't. And he's like, I, I might have already killed you anyway with the snake. He's like, your venom is slow. They'll get me before and then, you know, cure me and I'll be taken as host again honestly lucky the andalite you know didn't have like an allergic reaction which would have made it way worse <laughs> yeah who knows how andalite blood reacts rattlesnake to venom. alien <laughs> rattlesnake venom so he's like they're gonna get me again you know it's unless you kill me now it's gonna happen again and just axe cannot do it and he's like it's horrible the things i've seen it's you know it's there's this level of trauma but the andalite mind is still intact which is amazing after all these years of being taken over by visitor three and he also notes that you know the and the andalite tries to also kill himself but he's too weak from the venom to even do it so um this is how it is so instead of killing him the the andalite you know just is like fine you know what it's whatever it's fine okay let's go this so listen to my tale listen to my name so he's like the andalite is my name is he's like what's my name I don't know. It's been so long. And he's like, aha, I got it. My name is Aloran Semitor Koras. I was once a war prince. So like a pretty high ranking prince. And he's like, so if you survive, you know, I have a wife again, there's the gendering. I, I yeah. have two children as well. Someday tell them I still hope, tell them I still have love for them. So, you know, a little sweet, sort of a kind of a deathbed, you know, not confession, but a, you know, thing. This next part though, concerned me. Uh, with uh, what Alaron says is fight them. They are stronger than you think. They have they have infiltrated. They are on the homeworld. Fight. And I was like, wait, like Yorks infiltrated the Andalite homeworld? I think Lyrum is a Yerk. Ooh, hot take. You th- Spicy hot takes. I mean, out. just lying, Ooh, would... lying in wait for a really long time uh, and, and uh, giving bad advice uh, from uh, a high up command in Andalite. Or, or secret information. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They could easily, easily be a deep spy. Ooh. Ooh. I want to know who else has an Andalite body. That's a yerk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the Andalite falls unconscious and they got to go. They got to go. Uh, Prince Jake. <laughs> Jake is pulling Axe away and they're leaving. So. Why couldn't, like, say, Rachel Morph Elephant carry off Visitor 3's uh, Andalite host's body uh, out into the forest? They go stash him, get some, you know, anti-venom, and then, hey, they have an Andalite on their side. And somebody that has yeah. a lot of information. A lot. <laughs> yeah, like, Cassie's... I feel like they probably have him chipped. I don't know. Maybe. Like, the, uh, but... <laughs> I, I mean, Visitor 3, you're, like, 86th. And then you got the hork and stuff like that that got fought off by the rest of the Animorphs. So, like... They're in the clear. They could take this body and possibly, you know, take care of him themselves. I'm yeah. sure Cassie's parents have anti. Oh yeah, anti venom. Like, yeah, her her parents yeah. would have oh, access yeah. to anti venom. Oh, yeah. Like they within like, within a 24 hour period, they could probably uh, fix. If not even at their home. Yeah, like, yeah, fix fix a Lauren. But um, yeah, it just sucks that they just left his body to then get picked up and reinfested by uh, Visitor Three. Yeah, kind of sucks. But I yeah. was like, there's no way this early on in the series they're getting rid of the Andalite body for Visitor 3. Um, <laughs> almost too good to be true. Yeah. But the next chapter starts with, give me liberty or give me death. That's the quote. Um, and Axe <laughs> is like, only if, if only the Yerks knew. And <laughs> this is how humans feel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Axe is actually revealing now, thanks to the Animorphs, after this whole endeavor, this whole journey, he's like, okay, 
time to tell y'all. Um, so he's like, we call it Ciro's kindness. And it means, you know, you're not allowed to transfer advanced technology to any other race. We knew this really heavily in France. It's a very important law, perhaps one of their most important laws. Marco, you know, they're still giving him a little guff, but Jake's like, chill, man. Let him tell a story. So Ciro was a great Andalite, a warrior, and a scientist. He was in charge of the first Andalite expedition to the Yurk homeworld. He felt sorry for the Yurks. You know, they were an intelligent species, but they used primitive species, the Geds, as hosts, who were nearly blind and clumsy. So the Yurks had never seen the stars, and so he just felt so bad. Um, he couldn't leave their home planet, so he gave them technology. And so this is, you know, the great shame, the guilt of the Andalite race is revealed. At first it seemed like the right thing to do, but then a species called the Nahara, which nothing else is explained so far in the book about the Nahara, but you can assume maybe they corrupted the Yurks in some way. And by the time the Andalites found out, it was too late. The entire species was enslaved by the Yurks. Then came the Hork-Bajir, the Taxons, other planets and races, and there was this Yurk empire. And billions and millions of, you know, free people have been enslaved and destroyed by the Yurks, which the Andalites blame themselves for. So that's why they feel so, you know, strongly about keeping up with the Cyril's kindness rule. Uh, the Animorphs were like, dude, don't be so, that happened like forever ago, and that wasn't you, and you just trusted one, you know, wrong person. Doesn't mean you can't stop being kind and trustful and, you know, whatnot. It's like, we don't care. We're not mad at you. Because I think part of the, An- the Andalites are like, if other races found out, the other race would be super pissed off, and the and the animals are just like, dude, we get it, sucks, we're not mad, don't worry about it, just do your best. So that's really nice. So Axe feels very good about that. <laughs> Tobias is also like, what does an Andalite most want? And, you know, Axe is like, freedom. And he's like, what do humans most want? And everybody's like, freedom. And so it's like, we, different bodies, different species, but we agree on what matters. Freedom, give me my freedom. <laughs> um. So... Um, now the really important question after this, you know, great backstory is like, again, how do you eat without a mouth? <laughs> and he's like, we eat as we run. Our hooves crush the grass and the nutrients are absorbed into our systems. We drink in the same way by putting a hoof into water. And that is pretty much how that ends. And he calls Tobias to Shorm, his like tail buddy yeah. of telling secrets to, which is cute. So character development. And so then the next chapter starts out with basically uh, in the middle of a conversation between Eslin, the York observatory controller, and Axe. And he's like, you'll do it. If you don't, I'll find a way to tell Visitor 3 that you set him up. And so he's like, fine. Axe is trying to communicate with the um, Andalites one more time. And so he sees Lurem's eyes, you know, go wide all of a sudden. Um, because, you know, he, Axe told him about Aloran's message. So Lurem knows who he is. Um, and then Axe is like, you know what? I'm also going to disobey the laws. I am going to, you know, help them and tell them things and whatnot. And he's like, you know, the humans aren't going to be destroyed while I live. Maybe the Hork-Bajir wouldn't have been destroyed if we had, you know, done something differently. And said, so he's like, it's going to, you know, disobedience must run in your family. And, and Axe is like, thank you. You know, because he's calling like, you're just like your brother. And it's like, he's like, thank you. An ultimate compliment. Arc. Yep. Arc has completed. And that's the Axe book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are, that is done so. Yay. Uh, cool. Yeah, I really like, so there was a, uh, let's see, what did, I'm looking for this quote earlier. Oh, Marco is like, your boy Ciro wasn't wrong. He just hooked up with the wrong species. We aren't the Yerks. We're Homo sapiens, Jack. Human. Andalites want someone to cruise the stars with? Well, we're the ones. You bring the spaceships, we'll bring the raisinets and cinnamon mm-hmm. buns. <laughs> Yay. And Cinnabons get a call out. Yeah, so many times every in this book. <laughs> Cinnabons yep. and thermals. Buns, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's got their thing. Cinnamon buns, bird poop, basketball, <laughs> thermals. Some are more interesting than others. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next book we are reading is book nine. The okay, hang on. Is it Cassie book? Yes, it is a Cassie book. It is the wolf Oops. book. I'm looking the for the secret. title. The secret. Wolves. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm, uh, let me double check for the trigger warnings on this one. Cause it, we do have another hive, uh, morph. Okay. It's like what termites or something. Okay. Yeah. Get okay. So that seems like that's it. Is, okay. And, and making sure, because I feel like there was some nonsense. Oh, yeah. A couple of skunks oh, die, okay. but that's it. <laughs> We're getting kind of used to the random animal deaths, sadly. Uh, the animal deaths are sad. And then there's Rachel always getting her arms ripped off as a bear. <laughs> yeah, but then she's fine, so... 
you know. Oh, I meant to ask this. If you are, say, missing, like, a limb or injured in your regular morph, whether that's human, andalite, whatnot, does that transfer into when you morph into other creatures? Like, say, like, oh, like, I have a prosthetic arm, and then when I transform into, you know, another uh, creature, like uh, a, uh, a pig or a cat or something like that, are they still missing a limb? No, it would be whatever the DNA of the... Okay, so so that, so like so that doesn't transfer, right? Got it. Their okay. arm, right, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the DNA of the acquired But they'd still creature. morph back into their body as it was. Right. If... if they lost uh, if they were born without the limb if they lost the limb in like a car accident or something the limb would grow as they're morphing back and forth huh yeah okay i wonder how tattoos and pier like well because clearly cassie or no sorry rachel at least has earrings um so i guess piercings stay they don't they don't heal up yeah that kind of flaw in the theory okay but was just was just a pondering um so book nine y'all cassie wolf book uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Morgan underscore Slay. You can add us, your Animorphs, me at Middlemorph on Twitter. You can find my other podcast about wacky Reddit hijinks at R the letter U the word serious pod on Twitter. Send me your meat. <laughs> Jason, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bottomus underscore Prime. Follow me. I might follow you back. I don't know. Follow for follow. Mm. We'll see. Uh, yeah, Kate. <laughs> I'm not on social media, so you know, if you wanted to communicate a message, maybe try uh, building a Stonehenge-like structure, and I'll decrypt the message that you are trying to send. Or if that is a little tough and you have a hard time moving those rocks, you can email us at <laughs> middlemorph at gmail.com. Yeah, and we'll see you next time to talk about talk wolves. About wolves. Wolves. Oh. We haven't talked to. I feel. I find it hard to believe we haven't talked so about excited. wolves yet, but <laughs> yes, we will talk about okay. wolves and skunks, maybe. This is Kate's, uh, our podcast picture morph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Very excited. excited. All right. Bye, bye guys. Bye.